And welcome on in to the Check Your Brain podcast here, wherever you are listening to this, whether it is on Patreon, it's going out on Monday on Patreon, and if you're listening for free, wherever you get your podcasts on iTunes, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, Spotify, any of that, just go to patreon.com slash Tony Mazur if you want more of this content, whether it's my usual nonsense of commenting on What's happening politically, socially in the country, uh, riffing on old radio and comedy stories, or what's happening in the sports world. And we have all that on the Patreon at patreon.com slash Tony Mazer and have interesting discussions. I'm starting to get guests on. And I decide for my first guest, I'm going to say guest today. And uh, my, my guest today, one half of them, they're a married couple. And one half of them is uh, I do a show with, the Rack Me Football Podcast with Chad Zumach, and that's Ken Mosca. And normally when I talk on Zoom and do a podcast with Ken, we're talking about the Dallas Cowboys, talk about the Cleveland Browns. We bring up old, you know, football players like Ed Two Tall Jones and everybody from back in the day, just random people. You know, we just kind of have a good time. But we have a much more serious and interesting, and I think it's interesting because I don't think it's a topic that we talk enough about. And we're also joined by his wife, Isabel. So Isabel and Ken Mosca here on, uh, first of all, hello, folks. Hello. Good to see you, Tony, outside the uh, Rackham Football Podcast. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, you know, talking about something that's, I guess, more meaningful than uh, what the Cowboys are going to do this year, right? Yeah, probably a lot more meaningful, although um, at times <laughs> just as stressful they both are. Both worlds, Tony. Both worlds. Yeah, and so in this conversation, I thought about this because I'm, I'm somebody that, as probably folks who have followed my work uh, in the last, especially six months, have kind of tried to pinpoint and people in my personal life, I, I've been going through my share of depression myself. I've dealt with my my grandma passing away back in February. I had uh, my appendix taken out. Then I had kidney stones the week after. So I was in the hospital twice in a week. And then I, <clears throat> I ended up losing my job in April, getting a new job. And I'm working kind of a blue-collar job. And yeah, I mean, I'm, I've gotten to be in pretty good shape. But I'm also hurting myself a lot, too. So I'm going through my own mental issues. And I, I'm trying to pinpoint on what it could be and what it is. And, you know, I've, I've often... I've never gotten myself tested for any type of disease, but I've often wondered what it is. And it's always, some people have called when I have a lot of recall of old Hollywood stuff or anything that I bring up, that it's on some form of spectrum. And I've always wondered what that was. And you're hearing about the term autism in the, in the whole topic. And we've heard Autism Awareness Day and Autism Awareness Month, and you see the the puzzle pieces and everything around. But what is it? What is autism? How is it diagnosed? Does it seem like it's happening and occurring in children much more often than it did, say, 40, 50, 60 years ago? Uh, Or was it happening and we just ignored it and labeled it as something else? What is it exactly? And the Moscas have a personal story with this, having having a child with autism and, and dealing with that. And, and I want to talk about your foundation as well and what uh, what you folks do. But Isabel, I'll bring you in here first and talk about how it really has affected your family and what you have learned in this time. And what I guess the bigger topic that we'll get to later on is how we as a society and we as a culture can try to fix this and get to the bottom of this. And I guess when we say awareness... We're aware of it, but 
to what extent? Oh, so many good questions. I feel like um, we have a kindred spirit here because um, I just was listening to a Facebook show and they were asking us to name um, tunes from uh, theme songs from television shows. And I knew them in two notes. <laughs> Got to the point where I just said, this is embarrassing that I know all of these things by heart. Um, my son is a twin. He is half of a boy-girl twin uh, I guess now they're, they're 23 years old, they're not children anymore, but they're always going to be our children. Uh, my son was diagnosed with something that they call PDD-NOS in the um, DSM-5, which the diagnosis would be pervasive development disorder not otherwise specified. Actually, that's autism. That's on the autism spectrum. There is a level of autism, one extreme needing minimal support to the other extreme needing lots of support. So hearing some of the things that you're talking about nowadays, we hear the terminology neurodiversity, meaning that we're thinking differently, that we're, we're interacting differently, we're responding to stimuli, whether it's sensory um, overload, whether it's auditory, whether it's uh, an overall visual overload, that we're downloading lots of information and we may be processing it differently. And that's what autism is about. But what they have decided to do is add into that spectrum, the autism spectrum is things like anxiety, depression, uh, mental health issues, and uh, learning disabilities such as dyslexia. So my family went from having one person with neurodiversity to several of us having those issues because I am now considered somebody who is a neurodiverse person. So understanding this in our future right now, a lot of us experience autism more than we realize every single day. Uh, I see it because I'm really good at spotting it. My husband has, after many years of being, uh, having a child who's been diagnosed since the age of two, we are able to see it in other people. We don't walk up and point it out to them. However- Not anymore. <laughs> however, what we do do is we celebrate our diversity in other people. And I think as, the, as we become more of an, uh, a technology-based device-laden community world, we are going to see more autism. We are going to see more Silicon Valley people, because uh, what they're discovering is people who work in Silicon Valley, so many of them have children on the autism spectrum, and that's not an accident. So getting to that point of when this kind of began, when we started talking about that, when you talk about awareness, and I, I was on the phone with a friend of mine who is a special ed teacher, and we were talking about how back in the day there there would be what they called, you know, the mental hospitals, the nut houses, quote unquote. And you would have people that were a little, ah, he's a little, little odd. He's, ah, he's, you know, he's three fries short of a happy meal. We were hearing all those kind of things. And we just kind of just accepted that like, okay, some people are, you know, off the reservation. Again, I'm using older terminology, but then you would also have people that did have some kind of affliction but because society wasn't progressive enough that we couldn't put a finger on it, so you just were like, oh, he's eccentric. He's, uh, he's just a little different. And now that we're in this new, new world where we do kind of uh, have a little bit more of awareness on whether it's a, a full-on disease or something that's just, just a little off with us, that we're understanding it right now. But uh, I guess in your research, since you've 
dealt with this now for 23 years. Is there a point where, as society, we decided to do that? Like, was there a, a tipping point in your research where people said, wait a second here, we can't just label everybody this and, you know, we just shrug our shoulders with everyone else. Was there a time where it went from, you know, off the reservation, like I said, to, okay, wait a second, these people actually have true issues that need to be tended to? Sure. I, I think the issue that needs to be addressed is genetics versus environment, because you're going to see environmental causes that can represent as autism. You're going to see genetics, like you just said, that, you know, crazy Uncle Harry, whatever you want to call him. All, all of us have a relative who is a little bit different, behaves differently, and maybe can look back a few generations back and think, hmm, maybe that's where some of this came from. That, And I like to call it autism soup, that we might ladle, some of us in that ladle of soup might get the nuts and the, the noodles and the beef, and some people get just the broth. So I think that, that it's an undercurrent that we see in genetics that is more and more prevalent as the years go by. However, I don't think that when you speak to an adult self-advocate, that they are going to say, no, I shouldn't have been somebody who existed because of my disability. It is. It makes me who I am. You'll see people talking about person first, saying that I am an autistic male or female, as opposed to being a person with autism. And the, the jargon has changed significantly in the last 20 years because I used to say my son has autism. He experiences autism. Now people want me to say he's autistic. And that is quite a turnaround. Mm -hmm. We're looking at, we're much more mindful of these things. We're talking about them a lot more. You'll see a lot of people on TikTok who are saying, I'm actually autistic. I'm undiagnosed, but I'm actually autistic. A lot more young women because it's not seen as easily. Uh, they, I believe that their diagnosis is a little bit different. However, I have met hundreds and hundreds of people on the autism spectrum. And I can tell you that as it evolves, the more the information is out there, the more the awareness, the more the acceptance. Now, this is probably the biggest question I think a lot of people want to know is, how does this happen? And I think if we had the answer to this, we'd probably have the answers to most other things and diseases and you know queries about everything in the in society. But how does this happen? Is this a, a nature nurture type of situation? Is this a, a genetic thing? Um, are, and here's another thing I heard that there was a theory about, obviously we heard about the vaccines and not just the current ones, but the ones from back in the day and you heard Jenny McCarthy and uh, Jim Carrey out there being advocates against uh, taking vaccines as they were causing autism. But what about age in pregnancy? Is that, uh, that women who are over 30 or 35 or even 40 are kids more predisposed to getting autism than somebody who was born from a mother who's 25 or something like how is this happening and what can be done and are there any strides with the amount of money and research that's being done are we getting to a point where we can actually kind of nip this in the bud or is this just this is what we're dealing with right now we embrace it i think what we're going to find out is that and i've said this before that in the future, we are going to discover that many things that are called autism are not autism at all, that they manifest uh, their, their phenotype, their genotype is different, so that you may carry those genes, but they don't manifest in that way. Uh, one of the issues that they are looking at right now most prevalently is that it belongs, or that 
that the diagnosis comes from the gut, that we have that permeability um, and not the ability to excrete toxins such as heavy metals and things like that, so that it goes to the brain. And when that permeates the blood-brain barrier, it attaches in the brain and you're looking at issues like um, the cerebellum not developing properly, that the frontal lobe has issues so that the growth stops. And if you're looking at that, we're looking at synapses in the brain that are cut off and people are not able to, it, it's almost like autism, they say is like a tree that has not been pruned. So those synapses that might've fallen off on a typical child growing are still growing. So it's taking longer to fire. And we see that with our son, where you see him taking a while to process what we have said. And my husband and I agree on this. You know, when we see him, we give him a few extra minutes. And I do believe that in the future, if we're finding out that autism begins in the gut and the gut and the brain are directly connected, if we are feeding the gut the good bacteria, if we're getting rid, rid of the bad bugs, we're helping everybody, not just people with autism, and you'll also notice that a lot of the things that are being used for people with autism, such as uh, weighted blankets and the fidget spinners and things, they're helping everyone. So once we help people who are on the autism spectrum, we're lifting the whole universe up because we're making everybody feel good. We're meeting those sensory needs that are so prevalent so that we can learn how to help one another. It's well, Kyle could walk in here right now. And I could say, Kyle, say hi to Tony. And he'd go, hi, Tony. And you'd say, Kyle, how are you today? And like Isabel said, it would take time for that to kind of register in his brain. Now you'd see him kind of moving around. He'd be moving his head around and moving his eyes and, you know, you know, blinking the way Jimmy Norton blinks, you know, and, and stuff like that, trying to get out. He, now he's heard what you said. He knows what you said. But now he's got to turn it back around to say, I'm doing fine. I'm, you know, I'm having a good day. There are times it'll take Kim Tony two minutes to do that, to turn that around. There are other times you come in and say, hi, Tony. Hey, Kyle, how you doing? I'm doing fine. But, you know, most times that's, that's not occurring. Interesting. Cause that's, that's one thing, the degrees of autism where you do see anywhere from, you know, uh, somebody who is just kind of, uh, you know, a little bit off, like we said, just a little bit where it just, oh, he's kind of, you know, whatever, to the point where with your son to all the way to uh, one of my personal experiences, I had an ex-girlfriend, and I, can I talk to you about this, that uh, my ex-girlfriend had a brother who was severely autistic, and I'm talking barely formed words, um, quirks, uh, and not just quirks, but like, you know, one thing where he saw something that... There was one I remember, he saw his dad when he was seven take his shirt off when he got home because it was a really hot day in Ohio and he was out roofing, so he took his shirt off, so he's like, well, I guess that means I'll take my shirt off. Well, now he's 34 years old, and still to this day, when he gets home, he takes his shirt off because that's what you do, that's what dad did, so that's what you do. So there are different uh, different ways, you know, you know, you go and talk about Rain Man and everything, but... Um, there's diff different degrees, and you mentioned with that spectrum there, that I always remember there was a term called uh, Asperger syndrome. And I asked a friend of mine a few years ago, I said, you know, I kind of feel that I started looking up certain things. And I started matching a couple of things. 
I'm like, well, I've kind of done that. I've done that too. And he's like, yeah, they don't really call it Asperger anymore. It's just in the autism spectrum. So it's just, you're in that, uh, you're, it's like autism adjacent. So it's interesting. You said that there were at one time, all these different quirks are now under the spectrum, but you say that in a few years, they're not going to be in the spectrum and they'll be probably individually defined. There's a lot that is involved with the DSM-5 when they diagnose because you figure it out that they have to code. If you go in and you sit and somebody says you have classic autism and it's the number, whatever it is, and you go to the doctor, they put that code on your billing statement. And that says, okay, well, this person can get services for X, Y, and Z. Well, if you're, in, if you're on the um, autism spectrum and you have Asperger's syndrome, the minute the doctors or the, the insurance companies would see that, you would not get services because they know immediately that you don't need that many services, even though you may need social skills, you may need sensory training, et cetera, but they would not get the services whereas somebody who was classic autism would. So when they put it all together, they were doing um, the Asperger's community a favor by giving them the opportunity to get the training and services. So you have to look at it from an overall perspective because that gives an opportunity for people to, to grow and learn. And we've, we've um, had conferences with our nonprofit um, with Dr. Temple Grandin, and we've met her on several occasions, had the opportunity to listen to one of the brightest people on the autism spectrum that the world has ever seen. And, and she's met, oh my goodness, when she goes off, she talks about flight engineers and she talks about all kinds of incredible things that um, we cannot understand. But at the same time, she's able to break them down. And she was somebody who was completely nonverbal in her own world. And what brought her out was working with horses and her mom understanding the importance of connection to somebody something and making it matter because order and sameness becomes like lining up toys and things for somebody who's severe trying to make their way out but knowing that you need to know your limits and your boundaries is very important for somebody who's on the autism spectrum and to go from there and that's how you build you told briefly uh, the personal story about dealing with your son and if if i said hi and the process that goes through but talk about the personal aspect of when you found out the diagnosis and now you are raising a son with autism. And just like anything, a parent is not prepared for something like that. Like you obviously want, you want the best, you want the perfect child. And there obviously every kid's going to have some kind of imperfection, but uh, what is your advice to parents that, that if there is that possibility and that they could have an autistic child, that this would be something like, what is your advice and dealing with it? The patients, what, what would you say to a young, to a young parent, a young couple uh, who have a kid who, and they, and they find out, yes, he's, he's on the spectrum or he's full, full blown autism right now. Uh, what do you say to it? Maybe not even just to young parents, because this is an ever-changing situation, especially when it comes to pharmaceuticals and other types of medication. What's uh, What would your, be your advice? So, Tony, I'm going to tell you my personal story. So when Kyle was diagnosed, I was working, uh, running a, a rather large corporation. I was running a town, okay, working a lot of hours. So I came home one night, and I knew Kyle had, had a doctor's appointment. So Isabel kind of met me at the door, and she walked me into the den. And Kyle was how many months old, 19 months old, 20 months old, somewhere in there. And he was sitting down playing with his toys with his back to me, back from the door. So she said, say something to Kyle. 
um, I started to take, you know, a step to come around Kyle to the front and she stopped me. You remember? She mm-hmm. stopped me. She says, no, speak to him from behind. So, you know, we had little nicknames. Yo, Kai, Monk, yo, Monk. Hey, Monk, daddy's home. You know, things like that. He, you know, was not acknowledging me, wasn't turning around, nothing. So I looked at Isabel and I said, oh, today was a doctor's appointment. What does he need? Tubes? Tubes? Is it his hearing? Does he need tubes? So she looked at me and says, no, Ken, um, Kyle has autism. Well, my, my knees buckled. You know, I'm 6'2", 235 pounds, 238 pounds. You know, my knees buckled. You know, Isabel and I were married 11 years, Tony, 11 years before we had children, 11 years. I played every sport imaginable. So here my wife's going to have twins, a boy and a girl. Oh, my God. One shot, perfect family. My kid's going to be tight end of the Dallas Cowboys, power forward for the New York Knicks, third base for the New York Mets. No, he's none of that. What he is is a fabulous young man. But while my knees were buckling, you remember what you said to me? It's not the end of the world, Ken. It's not fatal. And it stood me right up. But the work, Tony, was just beginning because we're looking for services. Where do we go? Where do we go to get our son help? Faces, the number four autism, faces for autism was Isabel's brainchild. As you know, Tony, we've joked about it. I know everybody. So I brought everybody together one by one to see what direction we go in. Like I said, Faces for Autism was Isabel's idea, not just to to help Kyle, but to help kids like Kyle. Here we are finishing our 20th year, entering our 21st year. We service over 750 families a year. She's the executive director and president. I I, I mean, I'm on the board, obviously. I'm the board secretary because nobody takes notes as well as I do. (laughs) But I'm also the chief fundraiser. And, and Tony, we talked tomorrow night is our annual comedy night. It's our biggest fundraiser. We once again, we are sold out, sold out. I think you and I were texting back and forth as we were trying to put this together tonight because I was running around and looking at looking at the room and and all that, you know, all that kind of stuff. So the last part of what you said is what would you say to a young couple? I would say to a young couple what my wife said to me. Ken, it's not fatal. It's not the end of the world. We'll get through this. Things like that. Has it been easy? No. No, it hasn't. But I've spoken with Isabel about this. Our daughter is also Isabel. You know, and and our daughter has said, you know, Daddy, if Kyle didn't have autism, who knows what type of guy he would be. He could be out running around with girls, (laughs) drinking, using drugs. Here he is, is this lovable six foot three, 185 pound kid with a great sense of humor. It's a challenge every day, but we're lucky. Most days we don't have it as bad as many other families that we help. Well, my answer to this is two words, love and support, because that's what I tell people if I see somebody and more often than not, if you are in the supermarket or a grocery store and you, I know when there's an issue. I don't walk up to the person and hand them my business card. I used to do that. I wait for them to to look at me. And if they need help, I will help somebody most definitely. But 
I tell people when they have the diagnosis and I do get the phone calls because the doctor's office has given them my number and I will get that phone call at least once a week. So what I say is to them, number one, you are a good parent. You are a wonderful parent because you have taken those steps to move forward. The second thing I say to them is love your child because your child is still your child. Your child was your child and lovable before autism and after autism because this is your child. Love them and find support. Go to a support group. Don't go on on the internet and read all of the horror stories because you can find out all kinds of stuff. You can go on the internet and find out about organizations such as ours. Um, There's one called TACA. The acronym is um, talking about autism, um, talking about curing autism is what they say. And that is very serious protocols for learning how to clean the gut out and different things. But, But they're wonderful organization. There's also the National Autism Association, lots of places out there to look for help. But I am surprised time and time again by people who say, I can't believe you answer the phone. Yes, I want to hear your story. I think that this is important. And for all those years, Tony, that Autism Speaks and Autism New Jersey was giving out Isabel's phone. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, because you know, there are enormous organizations that raise millions of dollars because they have big payrolls, you know, and 93 cents, something like that per dollar goes to administrative fees. Whereas with Faces for Autism, our money goes to our programs and, and servicing families. And sometimes, you know, I've always thought, wow, I wish we were bigger. Nah, I was no, wrong. No, because I we don't wrong. have time for that. We don't have time for that. <laughs> let's let's do what we do. Let's service the people we service. Let's take care of them the way we're yeah. taking care of them. Yeah. Let, I, I was completely wrong. Isabel was right the whole time about, hey, look, let's keep doing what we're doing. Let's be that. What was that? That little... Well, that little truck or little we, yeah, car that could. The little a, engine that could. What we say is could. we say we can be angels for each other. And the example of our fundraiser tonight or tomorrow night, we will have the opportunity to see so many people who don't even get out. They had to find somebody to watch their kids so that mm-hmm. they could spend time with us and sit and laugh. And laughing, it 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 really is wonderful for the soul. And and you know that it's so important to be able to laugh. We have a who's who of South Jersey that, that comes to our event as well. People that, that have supported us, you know, uh, our partnerships that we have with so many great organizations. Um, you know, it's, it's, it, it is what it is. We, we know that, you know, Tony, it's, it's, our, it's our life every day. Um, does, is, is Isabel um, Kyle's main caregiver? Yeah, I, absolutely. I, I got a day job. You know, I, I have to make sure that I do my day job and, and do it well to, you know, keep things going. So, um, you know, my contribution is trying to raise money wherever I can for, for our programs. And, you know, t- tomorrow night is going to be a, uh, a special night. Should have uh, flown you and your lovely wife up here and uh, or over here, across from here, right? Where's, where's Cleveland across from here? You know, over there. West, yeah, right? West. I probably would have had to get off uh, in Philly and then probably take a bus over to, uh, yeah. <laughs> but but uh, I, you actually answered my next question about um, 
talking about the community and getting together and how the internet is, you know, for as many bad things that are out there on the internet that we have our opportunity where, hey, we have a couple of things we want to get off our chests here. Uh, you know, th this is an opportunity where everybody can kind of get together. So is the community, when talking about autism and various, you know, parts of the spectrum, is it pretty close-knit? Is everybody kind of getting together and commiserating and, uh, you know, telling their story here? Yes, most definitely. We started, um, we have a private group on Facebook called Faces Autism Support Group, and people are able to join. We have about 2,500 members who are on there. So at any time of the day or night, if you wake up, and I'm not kidding, this happens, somebody will say, my son just hit me with a truck. You know, what do I do? How do I stop him from this behavior? Uh, my, I need, where do I buy adult diapers? Where do we, you know, people are asking 24 hours a day. People are asking questions. How do I do a guardianship? Um, where do I go to get tested for hearing, et cetera. And we are answering those questions. And, and a lot of times I don't have to answer them anymore because some of my families will go in and answer those questions, help people. And it's not just where we live, it's all over the world. We have people there who need help, but we also just started a new group, a private group called Life on the Bright Side. And this is for the caregiver, somebody who needs support because people don't think, they think about the child being diagnosed, but they don't think that the caregiver who is on 24 seven, this is the rubber band pulled as tight as you possibly can all the time. And when you loosen that rubber band, you don't even remember what it's like to relax until about three days in. So what we started doing is we are working with an organization called A Mother's Rest, where they offer significant discounts to go for a, two nights to stay at a bed and breakfast and just go sleep, go relax, go eat. And as long as you have child care at home or parent care or whatever it is, you can go and it's for caregivers and it is a godsend. And I have gone, I just went recently and Ken filled in for me. I cannot tell you what it does for your caregiving to be able to get a break. And I met so many parents, God bless them, who have it so much rougher than we do. And I listen to their stories and they will be on my podcast and we will be talking to them because people need to hear their stories. You just, you would be floored to hear some of the issues that people experience every day. And that's what's such a blessing, I think, about the internet is that we are able to hear each other's stories. I mean, there's a, there is a blessing with the internet. Most definitely. I, but, I know that during pandemic, I have and, met people all over the world. But yeah, it's your, you do the various podcasts, you know, Faces for Autism, Life from the Bright Side, where you have thousands of followers. You know, this, you know, maybe we'll, we'll send this out and thousands of people will see it and, and, and know more of what to do and, and, and where to go. The interesting thing is, is that the community, Tony, the community, um, I don't like the, 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 the term, the saying, it takes a village, Isabel does. I don't, probably I don't like it because of the lady that said it as she was running for president or whatever, but I, you know, I don't, I don't like it, but it, it, people need to support, you know, one another. We have a lot of friends um, that, that have been so kind to us, so good to us. Isabel and I, you know, we were raised a certain way. And Tony, you and I talked about it. I was raised a certain way. You know, I pay it forward, Tony. I think you know that about me. I pay it forward. I'm not shy about it. You know, I take care of my friends. I want to take care of my friends. I've been blessed in many ways, personally, professionally, and I have a great family. 
And when people say, well, you know, well, Kyle, I, you know, how many times Tony people say, oh, I'm so sorry about your son. Sorry. What the hell are you sorry about? He's a great kid. He's a great kid who brings us joy every single day. And that's what we, um, what, like you've said before, find your joy every day. Tony, you started this podcast by saying about some of the challenges. I know from, you know, our friendship, some of the challenges that you faced and stuff like that. It's finding your joy. And it's not, you know, our friend Jim Florentine sometimes will, <laughs> when we say we're finding our joy or um, today, today is beautiful, you know. <laughs> what are you, five? Yeah, what's the matter? <laughs> Eat ketchup too, you know, but in, in, in our way, and, the, and, and with the people that we support, that's what we have to do. My joy today was getting ready for tomorrow night's show. We're sold out again. You know, we're going to be honoring some great people. And it's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun. And, you know, the Mets beat the Braves today. So just to wrap it all up, that's, that's how I found my joy today. Yeah, it's, uh, and that's kind of where we're at, too, because, you know, I'm, I, talk a little bit about it too. And uh, Ken, I know you and I have talked about it off, off the air. Uh, my wife and I have been married for two years, but we, we weren't the young couple who met in high school. We're in our thirties. And so we're kind of playing God right now. And that there's some issues that we're dealing with and everything in order to have kids. And it, one of the stumbling blocks I heard from somebody said, well, what if you do have kids and the kid has autism or down syndrome or something? And I'm like, look, I just want to have a kid. I don't care what he or she, what kind of affliction or any affliction, as long as we're blessed with somebody like that. And that's when you said finding your joy that, okay, maybe your son isn't the third baseman for the Mets, but your, your son is still a wonderful person. And it, it's a, it, it's finding that gratitude in life that I think, you know, I, I think we get caught up on. And at Ken, you hear it on my podcast that I get caught up on some of the trials and tribulations and all the, you know, stuff going on in our culture nowadays like that. But sometimes it is one of those, it, you take a step back and you realize how fortunate you are no matter what. And uh, just having having a son and having a daughter and being able to raise them no matter what is still the greatest blessing that anybody could ever ask for. And it doesn't matter what he or she is doing as an adult and what they'll end up becoming. It's the fact that you procreated and you are leaving that is your mark that you have left on our world and our our society and it's it's true it's truly incredible and I, and that's what my wife and I are hoping for right now as well is so significant because of the fact that we were we were without children for 11 years so you sit there and you say okay universe what's happening here why did this happen why did this? and instead of sitting in that moment and going poor me poor me poor me why did this happen we should have looked at the opportunity and said, wow, we were given the opportunity to get to know each other so well that we could survive the storm that was coming. <laughs> and when you look at it that way, we were able to establish ourselves, have the presence of mind to have a place to go where we could live and be and raise our money and have our careers so that we were able to be in place for this so that we were ready because 90% of marriages of kids with special needs end in divorce. I know so many single parents who have children with special needs. And what I would say is that we are, as you said, we are finding the joy in the journey because this is a place where, okay, bloom where you're planted. 
Okay, where are we? We were in your place right where you are right now. And I can tell you that the best thing you can do is enjoy each other. And that joy from that joy will come relaxation, will come comfort and peace in who you are. And, and the journey then just becomes the joy. I, absolutely. I, I mean, Tony, we keep saying this. We, we, we've kind of had these conversations before. You know, there are certain things in life that, you know, for me, were tough to let go of. You know, and as, as I've got older, as I've gotten older, I've gotten better at it. But there's been some times, Tony kind of recently where I've had a little difficulty with people who, who, who we both know, who used to be friends, who, you know, you end up getting that, that internet hate and you wonder where it's coming from, where you've helped this person so much, so much in his career, outside his career. And then to have this because of other people, I, I struggled. And Isabel will tell you, I struggled, you know, um, with, with that. Um, and she said about finding your joy, Tony, I have so much joy doing a silly little football podcast <laughs> with you and Chad Zumach. And my wife and daughter will tell you how much fun I have with it. When we're done, I come out of the, of, of the room and I say, you know, what a great show it was. And, you know, that's the joy. I can put my life aside for that hour or whatever we do. And and have fun with with two guys who I consider friends, who I who I like tremendously, and you know it, it it's it makes me it makes me happy. I don't care about the noise out there anymore. I I I've gotten I've finally gotten past that hurdle. All right, as we wrap up the podcast here, the magic of editing. People don't know that I timed out because I'm cheap and I don't have the full premium account. <laughs> um. So talk a little about the organization for parents who are going through this or they have questions, they may spot some things on a child who may not be diagnosed yet or even an adult or a teenager who may not be diagnosed, but they know a couple of things. Uh, and, and where can they reach out for this? Well, the easiest thing, if they're on social media, they can find us at Faces, the number for autism on Facebook. They'll find information about our private group. We also are on Instagram and it's Faces for Autism there as well. Uh, our website is, <laughs> I keep saying it, facesthenumberforautism.org. And there are questions that you can send us a message that will come directly to me anyway. And uh, I get them every day. People ask questions about various things about uh, how they can get adaptive swim classes for their child because they're concerned because the number one cause of death in autism is drowning because they are drawn to water. I, I didn't know that. Yeah. And, and the issue with it is that it, it's a sensory, it feels like a heavy weighted blanket when you're in the water, like in a bathtub or in a pool, what have you. Um, our son, when he was two or three years old, he used a, to run into the a, ocean. Yeah. He was a runner. He was a runner. We used to have alarms in our doors. Now we're surrounded by water. We have the bay three blocks that way and the ocean, the Atlantic Ocean, four blocks that way. So we're surrounded by water. And when he was a kid, Isabel said, you want to go to the beach? He said, yes. And, you know, she's getting the things together to go to the beach. Unbeknownst to us, he runs out the door. Now, we have some major roads here on the way to the beach. He got across some major roads as a four-year-old. Five-year-old, uh, something like that. He was a two-year-old. A two-year-old. <laughs> now, un unfortunately, 
there's too many times under my watch that he got away. Isabel would be out with our daughter under my watch. You know, he sneaks out and he's found a mile that way, was found two miles that way. You know, so thankfully he was he was OK. Uh, but they run and they go to the they go to water. They get hit by cars. And uh, that's where I've had many a nightmare when he was getting away. And uh, I double locked. I triple locked. Um, and there but, are sensors and he grew, you can put up. Yeah, which sensors, we which we did. And and he grew out of it. And, you know, thank God, you know, he, you know, he, he was OK. But there, there's some of the things that you have to you know work towards. But like Isabel said, there, there's so many people in our group and they all come to Isabel. Questions get answered. They get answered quickly. Support is provided in, in many different ways, Tony. So our, our group, our organization is very prepared to help those that want to be helped. Things, simple things like asking about inclusion in a classroom, how to, how to advocate for your child in school. Uh, there are, in each state, it's different. But knowing that there are so many options out there for families that they're not even aware of. I'm learning every single day and I've been doing this for over 20 years. So I think admitting the fact that you are willing and curious and wanting to learn more, it's out there. You can learn so many things uh, by talking to other people. I have a wall of books here that are about autism. Uh, in my office, I have videos and different things and we're willing to share information, to share referencing. There are so many people that they could talk to who are adults with autism. The issue that we are dealing with right now is uh, families who are aging out of the schools, because mm -hmm. if you are a person who is diagnosed, you can stay in school until you're age 21. So if you have an opportunity to do that, then what? And that when the bus stops coming, what do you do next? So a lot of the questions that I get are about those things now. And I'm hoping that as we start aging out of this and getting on the other side of 21 with my son, that other parents are willing to help other parents because it's changing. I mean, I don't know anything about the, um, the, the strollers nowadays, how they fold in half. I can't talk to people about the latest things for a toddler, the games that you can, the TV shows that the kids watch, the videos. So a new generation needs to step in and do what we do. And remember, Tony, find the joy in the journey. I, yeah, absolutely. That's what I, and I'm learning that myself too. And, um, you know, it's, it, it, it's interesting because you mentioned that about somebody who is going to school until they're 21 and then what? And is there for adults? So, I mean, you're talking about, you know, your, your son's 23. So that means that he, he's an adult. And is there better, like, is there a, an opportunity for job placement? Is there a community where it's saying like, look, you know, it, it's not just they either do nothing and government assistance or they're a bag boy at the grocery store. Is there an opportunity where, depending on where they're at in the spectrum, that they that there's some kind of like a, I guess, kind of like a monster.com type of uh, situation where somebody who does have autism is still a, is able to make a living in some way, is able to to work and to... I don't want. I hate saying serve a purpose because they already serve a purpose. But I'm saying that one of those of trying to get a job and you know kind of feel like they're a quote unquote normal type of person. Companies are finally catching on. You know, Tony. You know, my company, which is a um, a Fortune 100 company, okay, it, you know, has caught on, um, and there's programs out there 
that that my company has that brings you know I always say kids you know young adults to work you know that they can um, earn a living and they can feel valued but they're they're, they're adults young adults who are much higher on the spectrum than my son. I mean, we, you know, my son will have him volunteer, you know, doing different things and things like that. But for him to, you know, hold down um, a job, he, he won't be able to do that. I mean, he would need a job coach for a particular type of job, but he, he wouldn't, you know, be able to uh, hold down a job that way. That's why, Tony, I've worked the way I have to where when my wife and I aren't here someday, our son's going to be well taken care of, probably in the home that he's growing up in. With, with support. And that's something I've worked very, very hard, you know, to do. But yes, companies are out there. They're creating programs for, you know, I, I, I say young, young adults, young people to come in and, 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 and work a job. And, uh, you know, and in my company, what, what, what we found out is when you have someone on the spectrum working for you, what do you get? Well, number one, you get very hard workers. Number two, you don't get people that gossip. <laughs> Number three, you don't get people to hang around on their cell phones all day. Okay. You know, they're, 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 they got blinders on to do their job and they want to do a good job and, um, and, and they do a good job. And so, yes, Tony, there are things happening out there in, in the, in the business world, the yeah. corporate world, um, you know, helping uh, again, these young adults find good, meaningful work. And there's all different variations because as Ken said, we have farms that are around here that are looking for support. There are restaurants, there are opportunities that we can set up and, and people such as ourselves who are trying to come up with creative ideas, talking to people who can make those things happen, uh, coffee shops, et cetera. Um, but I was going to invite your listeners to um, check out on Netflix, Love on the Spectrum. It is a lot of adult self-advocates who happen to have autism and they are doing a show that just got nominated for three Emmys and their advisor is another gentleman that I know very well, Carrie Magro, who is an adult self-advocate and that's what they call them. People who um, are able to speak up for themselves and have a voice and they represent people who are on the entire spectrum and often, I think that that's why one day we're going to see the, the divide of the spectrum separate once again, because people who are able to have that experience with little support are going to be the people who think they understand the person who needs lots of supports when it's a very different story. So we hope that we can still be a voice for the people who do not have a voice. And that's why we continue to do what we do because we know so many families who have children and young adults who are non-speaking. And that's a very important uh, audience out there who can contribute to our world. And we tell our families often, volunteering, our guys need to give back. We don't just accept, accept, accept donations mm -hmm. and help our poor little people with autism. Right. We Good want point. them to be out there in the world participating. Yep. My son likes to help with gardening. He likes to, to do different, different things and raise funds for different organizations. And that's what we do. That's, that's great to hear. It's, it's, it's very encouraging because I, my, one of the things I've been thinking about uh, another kind of horrible thing that happened this year was uh, uh, my first introduction to autism really like truthfully I am sure I probably was introduced early on but I remember when I was in high school I, I had a friend of, uh, he ended up becoming a friend but 
he was a grade below me and he was autistic. He would, it wasn't, it, somebody says something funny, ah, ha, ha. it was over the top laughter. And that's just who, but he was what they called functional autistic. And he was able to get fairly decent grades. It's just, he was just, just a little, just a little off. And uh, so I, I actually got to be friends with him and knew him for about 20 years. And unfortunately, he, uh, I, I don't know the circumstances, but he pulled a gun on himself. And he did so back in, oh gosh, this was late March. And it it, it kind of inspired doing this podcast. And when you said that drowning deaths were uh, very high, because I wondered about suicide rates too, and also suicide rates with families who deal with something like that as well. And uh, when that kind of came out, and I remembered w- w- when I heard about it, and they said, oh, did you hear what happened to Lee? The rumor has it that he he killed himself. And I'm like, well, I know he's, he's he has autism, but I don't know if that was autism or if that was somebody that, you know, maybe something took over. And there's another story, and this is not autism related, but mental health related, is uh, <clears throat> I actually heard this uh, from one of my friends today. He actually called me and said that uh, his community does not have a lot of murders. They, they really, it's not a community where you're, well, there's another death today. It's like a murder every 25 years, if that. Well, there was one recently, and it was one of his friends. And somebody who I actually, I believe I met back in the day, I didn't know, was one of those, oh, hey, how's it going? Nice to meet you. And he, um, apparently his dad walked out on him, when he was young, and uh, he ended up getting into bodybuilding. There were uh, speculation as to if steroid use was one of the things, because he ended up being like built like a Greek god. And uh, But by his 20s, he was diagnosed schizophrenic. And apparently one day, about a week and a half, two weeks ago, he had a sword, like a, like a katana, and brought it down and killed his mom and killed his grandmother. And uh, when fire truck, the, the the fire and police came over, he had no recollection of doing that. And that's one thing where I wonder about mental health facilities in our country. And and though we've made strides, uh, are we making enough strides? Are we doing enough for those uh, with mental health? Are we doing enough for our veterans? Are we doing enough? And, uh, you know, we, we put this focus on, you know, when, when there's a school shooting and we say, oh, it's a gun problem. And then the other side says it's a mental health problem. But we're not getting to the bottom of any of these problems. We just label it as something and makes it a political, you know, soapbox situation. And then we move on to something else that distracts us. So I, I guess this may, may be outside of your window. Maybe this is just more kind of conjecture or opinion or whatever. But are we doing enough for mental health in our country uh, at anywhere from the from autism to schizophrenia to bipolar disorder? In your opinion, do you think we need to do a lot more? And what and if so, what needs to be done? Yep, it's an excellent question because it does it does bridge that gap there between autism and mental health because of the fact that you see in autism, depending upon where the level is, a dual diagnosis. We have a lot of mental health issues within the autism spectrum. You'll find a lot of depression, especially in the last two years. Uh, That has been a great concern of mine because more often than not, I am finding my messages contain that information about aggression, about anxiety, about depression, about maybe being given the wrong medication to address symptoms. Uh, The schizophrenia that you did talk about 
commonplace in somebody who is diagnosed and has extra issues on the autism spectrum. Uh, the concern that Kenny and I had a few years back, there was a shooting. Uh, mm -hmm. And I wrote a letter in the newspaper when you used to be able to do that and make comments and people actually read it. And they kept talking about this person's autistic. We have to, what are we going to do with all the autistic people? They're shooting everyone. That's not the issue. We're talking mm -hmm. about a dual diagnosis of schizophrenia, of a severe depression. And when you don't have a friend, when you have nobody to count on, when nobody to talk to, whether it's on the spectrum or not, you have nobody to bounce things off of. You don't know the reality or the fantasy in your world. And there's, I don't know this situation that you're talking about, but very often they did not see their grandparents in front of them, their parents in front of them. They saw monsters, tigers, what have you, somebody as distorted face of someone that might've been in a video game that they have stepped into another reality. And when you're looking at that, like you're saying, legislation has to be out there to talk about these issues as well. We need to address the issues of mental health. And there's not enough money to go around, Tony, because there's so many organizations in mental health and cancer and heart disease and diabetes, you name it. You know, there's not enough money to go around. There, there just isn't. But there is enough support to go around. And support can go a long way and go maybe at times further than dollars can. And that's one of the things we have to remember. We have to remember to support one another. We were very lucky with Kyle. We had my mom. We had my dad. We had Isabel's mom. We had Isabel's dad. Brothers. We had brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles. You know, again, Isabel would say it takes a village. I say it takes a family. It takes friends. It takes understanding. It takes support. It's all, Tony, it's all of it. It's every bit of it. We all need connection. And, and that is the key to our world. The reason that we are here is to connect with one another. And that's why I'm so concerned about these devices that we have, because we think that we are connected. And you think about a text that you send to somebody and they misinterpret it. Mm -hmm. And you feel as though, oh, yeah, they're coming over tomorrow at three o'clock. No, they didn't say that. They said they're thinking about it. And you're sitting there and the dinner is ready. Where are they? Where are they? It's not happening. So we need to be aware that this is communication, but it, it meaningful communication is interaction. And the way we are talking right now, um, we can say, and Kenny has had many conversations with you, but I always say I have many friends now whose feet I have never seen <laughs> because we've only seen each other from here to here. So knowing that we have those connections this is connection to someone being to touch them, to talk to them. And it, it, you know, being a pen pal to somebody in the dark ages, what we used to do when I was a kid, you would get a pen pal. You knew about them to some degree. You could look at a picture at them of them, but it's not the same. And when you have a mental health issue, you need somebody who knows you and knows when, as we have today, the moon is full, know what to do. We have to be aware that the tides are changing and we are 78% water, we are shifting as well. And we might not be on our game today. So what do we need to do that? We need to nourish ourselves. We need to stay in nature. We need to meditate. We need to breathe, whatever it is. But to take care of our mental health, you need to start there. Well said. I mean, it's uh, this, is, this is a situation that... Uh, I guess, however you look at it is going to continue and uh, we need to be a community and we, you know, 
I hate saying that we're all in this together because it was kind of that that term was kind of you know, not taken well, in my opinion, the last couple of years, which I, I can't even, by the way, that's the last thing I'll say is I, I can't even imagine having a child, a child or even a teenager in the last couple of years where they were used to doing things. And then all of a sudden we shut society down and the things that brought a lot of those kids joy, whether it's a playground, whether it's a movie theater or anything, that's like, it's hard to tell them, hey, no, uh, we can't go there. That, uh, that had to been very difficult. Tony, look, I know we're up against it. Let's finish with this. So Kyle could not graduate. Time for Kyle to graduate. He couldn't graduate. Isabel would drive him out to the school and he would put his hands against the windows, his hands against the door, look in, miss all his teachers, miss all his friends. He couldn't he couldn't walk. So Isabel came up with the idea where Kyle went to grade school right down the block at the end of the block. She she got his teachers from grade school, they put the cap and gown on him. Our neighbors, I, I don't know how many people were there, family, they, mar they marched from the school right down the block to our house where we had a big graduation party for Kyle. So, it, you know, he, he was so pleased, so happy. You know, he, he did miss out on a lot, but he was surrounded by his friends, his family, all the teachers he loved from grade school. We're talking about, you know, the high school, but from grade school, that he was, um, you know, missing as well. And it ended up being a, uh, just a really wonderful event. But that whole concept of not being able to understand that the world has right, closed has down changed. was, right. was very difficult for somebody with special needs to understand. And I think that that's what a lot of people experienced.